For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, folks, welcome back. Believe in Rams episode 133. I'm Jake Ellenbogen. Joining me as always is Cam Lynch, the former Ram linebacker. Uh, and he had a little bit of a, you know, back and forth there because he actually played for both teams. We're covering the Rams and Buccaneers uh, loss. Unfortunately, the Rams lost to the Buccaneers 16 to 13. They fall to three and five. And uh, before we dive into it, I'm going to ask that you subscribe, like, comment, review, rate, whatever. Uh, do it all. Do, do everything if you can. Really appreciate it. Uh, you can follow us on all uh, podcast platforms as well as our YouTube channel, uh, Believe's YouTube channel. Um, you know, and then I'm, I'm sure at some point, Cam will have a YouTube channel that you'll have to go and, and subscribe to. So uh, all sorts of channels, channels everywhere. Uh, but before we get into that, we have a betonline.ag ad read that I will be reading. Basketball is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at bet online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, bet online features live betting, free contests and a giveaway all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's BLEAV, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Ooh. Cam. We're into another episode, and that means that, I mean, it's a mainstay. I warned you last week. It is the burning question, and we're going to kick it off right away. We're getting spicy here, Cam. Hopefully, people don't have a problem with this because the question is, Cam, is it time for Sean McVay to give up the offensive play calling? Ooh, spicy, right? Um, I think at one point, you know how sometimes when you play video games, uh, Jake, and you get you beat somebody 21 to 0? Um, you know, and you say pass the sticks on to the next person, right? I think this is that point in their season where Sean McVay might have to pass the sticks, right? Where it's 
Bobby Wagner blocks it, blocks a field goal punt, right? The offense gets the ball, still can't do anything with it. Uh, thankfully, Bobby Wagner showed up in that game on that play because uh, I saw you send that tweet out, like, big play, Bobby finally made a play there. Um, <laughs> that's what we needed, right? But that's just been the story, right? The defense making big plays, you know, crushing it on their side and the offensive side, punting the ball nine times. You know, I played with Riley Dixon. You know, at Syracuse, we punted the ball a lot. You know, so he's he's used to that. But just going back to Sean McVay, right, it's, it's probably that time to pass the sticks. Pass it to someone that you pay a lot of money to, to be on your staff, right, and, and to help that team win football games. But I, I don't know if the Rams are getting it done on the offensive side uh, there, Jake. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I'm 100% in agreement. Um, that's pretty much what I had in mind, the burning question. And I think anybody that follows me kind of has the idea on Twitter. Like, I love <laughs> this guy. I've defended Sean McVay. But he's like that, He's like that, you know, uh, relative that you absolutely like, but, like, he keeps somewhat making these minor mistakes. And you're like, man, but I love you. Like, I'm not going to give up on you. And I'm not going to give yeah. up on Sean McVay. I mean, he just won the Super Bowl. So for people saying he should be fired, you're wrong. Yeah. It's it's an opinion until you say something like that, and then your opinion does not matter because they just <laughs> they won the Super Bowl this calendar year, Cam. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I think it's fair when you look at Stafford and you look at the main chick, Daryl Henderson, only getting twelve carries, and he goes for four point seven yards per carry. Uh, you know, you look at having talent like that: Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Tyler Higby, Van Jefferson. The offensive line is an excuse at this point, Cam, because the only argument you can make is that the offensive line has one weakness. It's at left guard, and they just didn't even watch our podcast last week because we were saying (laughs) Bobby Evans, man, gave up half the pressures last week, half the sacks, and the definition of insanity, according to Cooper Cup, and I've said this now on multiple shows, is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results, and is it not insane that they went and they, they watched the film, they game plan for this cam. And they're like, you know what? We're going to keep Bobby Evans in there at left guard. And we're going to take the right guard out of the mix in Ode Abushi, who didn't allow a pressure or a sack. And the guy's been there for si- uh, seven weeks. Whereas mm. Bobby Evans was drafted in 2019. So mm. I-, I don't know, cam, I'm not saying he needs to be cut. And I feel bad for the guy. He was, he was broken down in tears in the locker room. He truly feels like he let his team down. It's not just him. It's the fact, look, this is one of the best offensive linemen in the entire world. He plays in the NFL. I think we need to realize that and, and really understand that when you say these guys are trash, or you say these guys are bad, or you're saying he needs to be benched. You have to understand in the, the scheme of things, he's not an NFL starting caliber player. That doesn't mean he's not worth being in the NFL. It doesn't mean he's not a professional, you know, and I'm sure you had your, your time, you know, dealing with that where people be like, Oh, Kim Lynch is trash, but it's like, bro, I'm in the NFL. I'm sure you were way more <laughs> humble about it, but I mean, come on, that's, that's the thing. So, you know, I just felt like watching all of this talent, watching the offensive line back to back weeks seem to be somewhat fixed. And what are these play calls? I mean, you, uh, Sean McVay trusted the punt and the Rams defense that was exhausted that played however many snaps they, they played 78 total snaps without giving up a touchdown. He trusted that exhausted defense to get another stop on Tom Brady more than he trusted his offense with Stafford with cup with Henderson with Robinson. The list goes on to get 10 yards five yards even because they had a third and five and the the timeouts were gone cam 
Mm-hmm. Tampa didn't have any more timeouts. Why aren't you throwing the ball there? Yeah, yeah. And you went back, you you mentioned something, right? Um, doing the same thing over and over again. We talk about Cooper Cup, right? Being that guy who's boiling. I think he's leading the leading the league in in um in single season receptions, right? Like yeah. That's great. It's great for Cooper Cup, but it's not great for the offense. It's not a balanced offense when Cooper Cup is probably going to break the single season receiving yard record. Like, like you know, the amount of receptions he's getting is fabulous, but he's relying on him a little bit too much. And I think you saw it too. A lot of the jets, there's a lot of jet sweeps that went on uh, during during this game, and the Buccaneers are sniffing that out. You see Devontae White slamming Cooper Cup on the ground multiple times because he knew that it was coming. So. Like you said, you saw some a lot of the same things. I think um, there were a couple of deep balls, right? Uh, maybe two or three uh, to our guy, um, but but not enough, um, not enough there. And yeah, it just it just didn't feel dynamic. The offense didn't. And um, and you talked about it just as a defensive player, you know, before we got on here. As a defensive player, it can get exhausting, um, you know. And one thing too, I know we're talking about the offense a lot. You know, I would like to go on the defensive side as well. You know, on the defensive side, when it came to the end of the halves, you know what I mean? The end of the first half, the end of the second half, you know, the game could be won and lost in the last four to five minutes of every half. Like you think about you watch a hockey game, you watch a basketball game. Those last four to five minutes are extremely important. And, and for the defense, they were exhausted. Right. And so they were in a lot of prevent defense and Tom Brady was just picking them apart. But they were on the field for a long time because the offense couldn't get the job done. So, yeah, man, it, it was it was tough to watch. And, uh, you know, like you said, I, I played for both teams. So it was hard to like choose like, hey, I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you. But this is the Believe in Rams podcast. And, you know, our Rams need to get it done this this past weekend. No, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, and Jalen came out and was like, we shouldn't have been out in the field. And, you know, even me who I mean, I'm a, I'm a diehard fan. I've been covering this team wins, help this podcast. They help this channel. They help my personal brand. <laughs> yeah. But even me after the game, I was not upset with the defense for losing the, I didn't even look at it as the defense lost the game. I looked at it as they lost because they tried not to lose. They played not to lose. Sean McVay ran the most. I I mean, the, the last four plays, including the punt, because, you know, obviously you had to punt it on fourth down. You weren't going to go for it there. Um, but I mean, the, that last drive is just not acceptable. It, it's just not there. There's no way that can be okay when you're paying Allen Robinson 15 million or paying cup over, you know, close to 20 million. I would imagine around that, uh, you know, you have Daryl Henderson who in that game at one point, cam, he had seven yards per carry and they just shut it down. I mean, it never should have even gotten to that point. Cause cam, I know, you know, some people disagree with me on this, but I'll say it. The Rams should have won this by three possessions. They should have absolutely dominated this game. And it goes back to play calling. And that's why it goes back to a burning question. Yes, Sean McVay should give up the play calling. Now, if Liam Cohen has a lot to do with why this offense is struggling the way it is, then maybe it's not Liam Cohen. But Sean McVay needs to find a new play caller. And whether that's next year, you know, fixing that, that's great. You know, maybe it's it's Cliff Kingsbury next year if he inevitably gets fired from the Cardinals. Maybe it's, uh, you know, Frank Reich who just got fired from the Colts. Maybe it's a guy on staff right now who everyone forgot is on staff and Jay mm-hmm. Gruden, who was a former head coach and an offensive coordinator. But either way, there has to be a new play caller. And I think it needs to happen this week. And I think it should be Thomas Brown. If you really don't believe in Liam Cohen, then it should be Thomas Brown. This guy's earned his way. 
Uh, this is, you know, somebody that worked with the running backs, then moved to tight end. The reason he moved to the tight ends coach uh, spot is so Sean McVay could give him more, you know, avenues to really learn the offense because he was really predominantly a running back and wide receivers coach going back to college. But it's time, you know, if, it, you know, Sean McVay talked after the game, there's going to be changes, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, if if it's time and there's there's got to be changes, uh, you know, I hate to break it to you, Sean, but you got to be one of the changes. You're not going to get fired. Like we, we want to see you ascend. And I'll say this, this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I think the one thing that's holding Sean McVay from be- back from being the best coach in the NFL is taking a little bit of ownership away from the offense. Cause I feel like everyone's like, he's the offensive genius. He's the offensive guru. He's still being compared to Mike Martz, who was back with the Rams in St. Louis and the, the biggest knock about Mike Martz is that he was an offensive mastermind, but he blew timeouts. The Rams only had one late in the game because Sean McVay blew two. Uh, he blew timeouts, right? And then in addition to that, it was like he got too cute. He was always trying to do the, the crazy thing, and he couldn't just stick to what was working. And Cam, you talk about you know moving Henderson from the side chick to the main chick. This running back room was exactly how we, we thought it should be coming into this game. Henderson dominated the carries acres was used sparingly. And that was really that. But what ended up happening is Henderson dominated the carries. And in those limited amount of carries that he got, because they didn't run the ball a lot. Henderson had to start the third quarter. He had one carry go for 10. He had another carry go for 23. You got 33 yards on two carries. You had a nice pickup, uh, the first down conversion. I know you like that one from your former teammate, Malcolm Brown. That yeah. was pretty awesome. It's so you get those two plays or th- those three plays. And then Cam, they're at the 11 yard line in the red zone. And Cam, Cam Akers is in the game. Like mm-hmm. not Henderson, Cam Akers is in the game and they don't run the ball. Even though Tampa couldn't stop him on that drive, they throw three passes and they, they kick a 26 yard field goal. You can't be kicking like field goals like that. 26 yarders are wins for the defense. I don't have to tell you that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you, and I looked at some of the stats too, when it came to just passing, right? Tom Brady had like double the amount of passes that the Rams did, right? Like, it's like, man, you got to put the ball in the air and give it to your guys. You listed that. Eight. I mean, come on, man. Like, come on. You got a great running back. You got a great pass game. So let's let's put the ball in the air a little bit. Let's make that happen. And, like, I'm going to jump back to the defensive side. I know we're, we're harping on the offensive side. But, you know, I think Tony Romo was calling it out on the CBS broadcast. You know, at the end of, the, at the end of each half, Tom Brady could just dink and duck and push the ball down the field. And so they won the end of each half. And so if you look at it right – the DBs for the Rams, they were like 10 yards off the ball. And so a lot of times when you go into these, um, you know, these situational moments, you want to make sure that, for an example, let's jump, in, jump into this a little bit. For an example, when, when the Buccaneers are, are driving the ball down the field and they need, to, they need to stop the clock, you would think that the defenders would be on the edges of the, of the, um, of the field to stop the offense from getting on the, on the, at the sideline. That didn't happen. These guys were doing the bend, bend, no break type defense, and Tom Brady was able to push the ball down the field. But man, it, it was just tough to see. You know, you talk about the Sean McVay, uh, you know, and his play calling. You, you got to go on the defensive side of the ball as well, right? It, it's a, it's a, it's a, a team game, right? You can't point the finger always at the offense um, and the defense. They, you know, they have some responsibility there as well. Defend the sideline towards the end of the half so Tom Brady doesn't push the ball down the field and have a, a crazy comeback win like he always does. You know what I mean? So, 
I know we talk about Sean McVay a little bit, but we also, we also have to, you know, throw the onus on the defensive defense as well and the, the play calling there. So there's a lot of changes that have to be made, you know, um, this uh, while they have the time off here. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, you know, again, Sean talked about changes. I've been very much a defender of Raheem Morris's defense. Um, he's been forced into running this um, because, you know, a lot of people forget, and I'm sure you know, but a lot of people forget he was a Tampa 2 guy, you know? Um, I mean, he was a head coach for Tampa, you know? So, yeah. so, you know, he was a Tampa 2 guy. He comes in, you know, right after they have success with Brandon Staley on, on like anything they've ever had. I mean, he, they were the number one defense. They lose in the divisional round to the Packers and coming into the next year is we're a quarterback away. So they go on and get Stafford. They run the same defense with a defensive coordinator. That's never run that. So it takes them a little bit to get going. They struggle to start the season. Um, and then they're a well-oiled machine at the end of the year. A big reason was because, you know, they went out and got Von Miller and, you know, just everything was clicking. But what I've seen this year from him, to run this defense without a Von Miller, without much of a pass rush and run it as well as they have. I mean, the, the bills game, that's a, a one possession game at the start of the fourth quarter. The problem is this offense is so bad right now. The play calling is so putrid and they're not taking any time off the clock cam that I think the Rams are in a very weird scenario here where even though you know, the, the magic numbers, keeping it under 20 points uh, when you're in this bend, no break defense, they are now averaging not even 17 points per game. And it's forcing their hand to potentially look at changing their entire defensive philosophy mm -hmm. where they can't play bend, no break because this offense just isn't as good as they expected it to be. You play bend, no break because you come in the year and you're like Stafford in year two with this team, with what he did last year. Uh, exponential growth, right? Cooper Cup coming off a 2,400, 22 touchdown season. I mean, come on. Then you got Allen yeah. Robinson. This guy can high point the football. He can go up and turn a 50-50 into an 80-20. You got a running back room with Cam Akers who showed us some things at the end of last year, coming back from that injury. We're excited about him. Full year. Daryl Henderson, contract year. He wants to get that bread, so we know he's going to go off. And then, you know, you got guys like Tyler Higby that are like, you know, hey, I, I didn't get a chance to play in the Super Bowl. I'm ready to show them, like, I want to play in a Super Bowl again. You know, I want to have an opportunity. Uh, Van Jefferson, hey, look, I was hurt all of you know, the second half of last year. I played through it. I know I didn't have my best Super Bowl. I made no excuses, and now I'm back. I want to prove that. And so you're thinking, all these guys, Skoranek the way he played at the beginning of the year, Brandon Powell having some ownership in the offense now, and you're like, you know what? This offense has a chance to really take the next step. They're going to be top five in the league coming into the season, but that's not what happened. They're bottom five in the league, and now the defense, which is based on how they expected the offense to be, playing complementary to that, now it's gut check time. Does Raheem Morris and, and Sean McVay have to get together and be like, hey, this this bend no break works, but it doesn't work if we're not scoring. So either the Rams have to figure out a way where they maybe they do some tweaks in their defense, whether it's fair or not, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, a win or a loss is on both units. So it doesn't matter what's fair. It's what's how you're going to win, right? So I, I think that's really where we're at, Cam, is that, you know, they, they are in the tough position where we're in week 10 and I don't know if they're going to do it. 
Uh, but they have to look at potentially changing their defensive philosophy because their offense has been that pathetic. And I mean, let's be honest here. I didn't think we'd be talking about this week 10. Uh, I know you probably didn't think that. I don't think anybody did. Who would have thought that this Rams team, if they struggled a little bit, I'm thinking 24 points per game, which you're probably still six and two or seven and one right now with that. But right now they're averaging not even 17. Mm. This is the St. Louis Rams before you got there. So like really, really bad with not a lot of talent. And I didn't, have an issue with that because that was a bad roster. It was poorly, it, it was poorly composed by the def, or by the GM, Billy Devaney at the time. Um, and there was a, you know, a carousel of coaches, whether it's Spagnolo or Jeff Fisher, who, whoever that is not on them. It's not a great roster. Okay. But when you have this roster coming off a super bowl, this isn't acceptable. Don't you, you know what I mean? Like that, that's where I'm yeah. at it at this point. Yeah, yeah. No, even like you said, like you said, looking at the rosters, like there's these guys that are pro bowlers, possible Hall of Famers, you know, on the Rams team. So it's like, you know, what's going on here? And one thing, too, that one of the takeaways that I got from this game is we always talk about the line of scrimmage. And when you look at the game, the Buccaneers defensive line took advantage of the Rams offensive line. I mean, it, it was just evident, you know, when it comes to. Uh, you know, Hakeem, we call him Nacho, Hakeem uh, Nunez Rochez. Uh, he had a sack. You Nacho. got Vita, he called him Nacho, Vita Vea. He had two sacks. So as you talk about that line of scrimmage and you, you talk, we talk about the coaching and we talk about the play calling, but, you know, at the end of the day, football is played at the line of scrimmage and the Rams have to do better. That That's where they start. Get better play calling, but you have to get better at that line of scrimmage because if not, you can't, you don't have a chance to throw the deep balls. You don't, you know, the quarterback doesn't have confidence in, okay, I'm going to, let, let's do a run play coach because I know my running backs can get through the line of scrimmage and it's just not happening. So, you know, I, I think what, what the Rams do, they go back into the office, they figure out, okay, let's figure out how to change this defense up a little bit, right. To, to force some turnovers because the offense isn't scoring the football at a high clip. And then you go back to your offensive line and say, Hey guys, like, you know, I, I know we've had we've had a tough go here in this season, but we have to tighten up. You know, we're going to do a better job on the offensive call, play call side to to give you some more opportunities to make sure you're in better position. But it has to start up front, and and I believe that the Rams um, they have to fix that up front before they can move anywhere because that's the foundation. And I, we talk about it a lot. We talk about it every week on this podcast. That line of scrimmage means everything, and and if you can't stop. Uh, guys like Nacho, right, and Vita Vea, who, who are great ball players, you know, from getting in the backfield and affecting your quarterback, it's going to be hard to move forward. So um, there's going to be a lot of soul searching uh, uh, to be done here. This this sec, you know, you know, leading to the second half of the season, and Riley Dixon, he's going to have to to ice that leg up because, <laughs> I mean, he might he might be the record right for most <laughs> most punts, you know, in a season. I know we punted a lot when we played when I played at the Rams, but. Riley Dixon had to get those legs ready to go because it's not looking good for the Rams offense. Well, <laughs> it brought me back to the time where, you know, you would get Madden as a kid, uh, as a Rams fan. And you'd be like, 
<laughs> and like 90 overall Donnie Jones, 90 overall Johnny Hecker. And that's like your, your top guy. And you're like, are you kidding me, man? Like, like if, if Johnny Hecker went down, it'd be like the equivalent of Sam Bradford going down for us because he is like our star. I mean, you know, yeah. but I mean, honestly, you know, you do get to that scary point where you're like, are we just overrated? Like, are we just, you know, a bunch of names? I mean, I don't think that's the case. I think they absolutely have the talent. I don't think all of a sudden Allen Robinson can't play. I mean, you saw the catch, he had in that game, yeah. I, they got him involved early on. It, it's, it's the same thing all over again, cam, they get him involved early on. And then three catches for 24 yards. This is his final stat. She like, what, what are they doing there? You know? And yeah. you know, another thing I'll say is Cooper cup had 127 of the 165. Daryl Henderson had 56 of the 68. Um, when asked after the game, if, you know, Daryl Henderson is going to have more opportunities, he said, possibly, I, I don't, or he said, there's a possibility. I don't see how there's a possibility when this guy's clearly your best running back. Like he might not be back next year. He's on a contract year. I don't care. I want to win football games. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think the biggest issue with Sean McVay is that he doesn't know how to manage the run game. And I think Todd Gurley kind of covered that up early on in his career, but then when Todd Gurley, you know, unfortunately had and screw the the football gods for it, but unfortunately he had the arthritic knee and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it, it forced Sean McVay into an uncomfortable position where he couldn't lean on, you know, because the thing that people don't understand is like Jared Goff was not a bad quarterback, but what Todd Gurley was able to do in the passing game, I, I saw the best thing ever about it. It was Jeff, Jeff Fisher was trying to turn Todd Gurley into Eddie George and Sean McVay wanted Todd Gurley to be Marshall Falk. And that's really mm-hmm. what happened. I mean, he turned him into a modern day Marshall Falk and it hit a lot of the deficiencies that golf did have and some of the uncomfortable uncomfortable moments where I don't want to throw that deep, you know, post the, the, the seam buster where I have two guys converging on it. I can just dump it off the Todd. And mm-hmm. you know, what's amazing. I'm not saying Stafford needs it, but there are no design screens to running backs. There's these gimmicky bubble screens. There was a tight end screen they did week in and week out, but where mm-hmm. Are the the running back screens soften up the the defense a little bit, you know? And I just don't think that's there um, today. And the Buccaneers you know, did that really well. The Buccaneers had some great running back screens yeah. that they that they broke in. Yeah, they did really well with that. Yeah, I mean Rashad White, we talked about before the game. You know, he's somebody that you know you want to get him involved. You want to get Keyshawn Vaughn involved. You had five for forty one out of Leonard Fournette, and you know Scotty Miller and Otten got involved because the Rams did a nice job of just shutting down Mike Evans and you know shutting down Godwin and Julio. Um, but what I'll say is this: uh, we are recording this on a Tuesday, and basically uh, news came out the Rams have made changes and I don't really get the changes cam because Terrell Burgess and Kendall Blanton got waived and I'm just confused I don't think Taylor Rapp has been playing super well in the back end the secondary I'm nothing against him personally I like the guy um, but Terrell Burgess is not in a contract year that's Taylor Rapp Uh, I thought Burgess should have gotten more of an opportunity I know he dealt with an injury his first year that could have contributed to it and there's a chance we'll be back on the practice squad. I still don't like this. I, I think it's, you know, very soon to to cut a guy, you know, in 2020's draft, a third round pick when, you know, Bobby Evans was a third rounder in 2019 and, and he isn't playing well. Um, and then Kendall Blanton, I don't get because Tyler Higby has pulled up in the last three games. He started to slow down. He's been banged up. 
He's left games and come back in. He's showing you signs of some wear and tear. Mm-hmm. And Higby, it's Higby and Bryson Hopkins now. Like, why would you cut? I didn't know why Kendall Bland was inactive for the game. But why would you cut another tight end when you're you have limited depth? I don't get that. And uh, I mean, I understand this is likely to make room for Coleman Shellen and Kyron Williams, but I think there could have been other moves. Um, I, I'm just really confused about the direction this team is going in. And I, I think they, you know, we're on Arizona. It, it's a must win in every meaning of the word must. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I just think at this point, if they don't win this game, I, I don't know if we're talking about a playoff team here. I really don't. I mean, it's really, you know, they actually went to the Super Bowl uh, starting in season three and five in 79 against the Steelers. Um, but they're not they're not going to the playoffs, much less the Super Bowl, if they lose this game to Arizona. And for me to really feel bought back and, and really, because we're going to cover this no matter what, but for me to feel like buying into them, you know, this year that they could actually do the impossible and turn this thing around and, and run it back and win it all they need to first be able to recruit OBJ. How do you do that? You take care of business. You beat Arizona impressively. You need a statement win. You need to beat the Saints. We saw them last night against the Ravens. That's not an untouchable team by any stretch. Uh, The Rams should be able to beat the Saints. And then you get ready for Kansas City. And you're looking at that. At that point, you're five and five. If you win those two games, you go to Kansas City. If you lose that game close, five and six, OBJ, I think people are way too quick to just say OBJ is just going to join a team that's a well-oiled machine. I think OBJ is a competitor. And I think it's honestly a little disrespectful if people just assume he's going to go to a team that's already set. Like he's just going to, you know, you do all the the 99% of the work and I'll take the A-plus for the group project. That's not (laughs) OBJ, you know? And and that's not what he did last year. So I think people are kind of misunderstanding OBJ was needed last year. And this is somebody that if they didn't have him, they don't win the Super Bowl, in my opinion, or they they don't even get there. So I think this is somebody that looks at himself in a way. I want to get paid. I want to get taken care of. I want to be loved. Uh, I want to be, you know, in in a home, a a good environment. And uh, I want to be around, you know, the, the right people. And I think he's somebody that if he looks at this situation and a competitor, I mean, think about it. If you're OBJ, how are you not salivating at the opportunity to be the guy that turns this team around, to be the guy that helps get this team over the hump? If they're five and six after losing a close game to Kansas City, I think he's very much in the picture still. And I think it it further uh, cements the opportunity that the Rams should continue to try to pursue him because I, I think that they're kind of, they balked a little bit. I think it bothered him. Um, but I don't think they're out on him. And Sean McVay said they haven't made their final offer. He's going to want a multi-year deal. And regardless this season goes or not, I think uh, 2024, um, you know, this team's going to be ready to compete again and, and be on that upper echelon. And it's not to say they can't get there this year. So I think right now you got to take care of business and you got to continue to turn this thing around and you got to be able to get OBJ back. Cause I think he is needed uh, he shouldn't be. They have a lot of talent, but I think there's a lack of creativity that I think OBJ opens the Pandora's box, if you will, if they get him. Yeah, I agree. Right, we're gonna have to see Allen Robinson get the Robinson get the ball a little bit more. Right, OBJ's probably looking at Allen Robinson like, hmm, Allen Robinson's got paid a lot of money. He's a premier player in the NFL, and he's not getting that many touches. He's only getting one to five a game. Right, you mentioned three this game. 
it is spotty. And so for a guy like OBJ, he's probably looking at the Rams offense like, wait a minute, Sean McVay. Like Cooper Cup is about to about to lead the league in, in receptions uh, in the season. And if I get on the team, what does that mean for me? Right. What does that mean for me? What does that my productivity look like? And so, like you said, for the for the Rams to really um, get what they want, they're going to have to win some football games um, and, and not do the same thing over and over again. You know, I mean, the Jets, the Jets sweep worked for a little bit, but it's not working anymore. Teams are on to it. So let's come away from that a little bit. Like you said, get back more to the running back screens, get Henderson going, get Allen, Allen Robinson going a little bit and, and, you know, make some headway there. And, uh, like I always like to jump back to the defensive side. I would love to see more takeaways from the defense. The defense needs more takeaways. Um, and, and, you know, as a defensive player, I've been in these situations where the offense is, isn't doing well. You know, going back to my Syracuse days where Riley Dixon was there too, you know, the offense isn't doing well. So, okay, defense, what do we do? We score some touchdowns, right? We make sure the offense gets the ball back on our side of the 50 more often than not, right? So you can you can actually score some touchdowns. So um, the defense is going to have to step up to save this team. And then also, too, the special teams as well. I know we talked about Riley Dixon punting, punting, you know, punting his butt off, and he's going to have to continue doing that. Um, a lot of times I like to say the punter is like an extension of your quarterback. So whenever your punter can flip the football field, I think that's huge. And so you saw you saw the other night the, uh, the Buccaneers, you know, the way they punted the football, they only punted six times, but um, – you know, Camarda, uh, Jay Camarda. Yeah, Jay Camarda. I mean, he put in six times for 357 yards. I mean, he got like player of the game or something like that. Like that's the type of play you need whenever your offense isn't doing well. Uh, you know, the Buccaneers, they haven't been doing well. Their offense uh, when it comes to third down conversion. So he's on the field a lot. But you saw what he did in that game. And you can argue that he he was a part of their win, right? They're pinning the ball down inside the five to ten yard line and doing well. And then you go on the flip side to the Rams special teams. Riley Dixon is doing a great job of punting the football, but the Rams punt returners have to do a better job of returning the football, not muffing the punts. And you've seen a couple of muff punts these past couple of games, and so it's going to take the Rams defense and the Rams special teams to make big plays to make up for this offense. That's the only way, you know, the dream comes true and you get your Odell Beckham back uh, and the offense gets clicking that way. I agree with you, man. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. I mean, that's the only <laughs> way, you know, Sean McVay says the only way I know how is to just continue to do like, you know, trying to push through and everything. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the only way we can do it. Right. We're, we're just, we're podcasting. I mean, unfortunately cam isn't <laughs> there to help this team right now. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, Hey, you know, you might be playing, uh, you know, running back wide receiver something, uh, by the end of this year. So right, right. <laughs> better get ready for that. But, uh, no, I mean, you know, I think I, I agree with you. I, I really think that, you know, they're going to have to obviously figure this out. I think it goes back to the burning question. Uh, it might seem reactionary, but I, I think it's something that's gone on far too long. Uh, Sean McVay is still an outstanding offensive play designer, uh, a, you know, offensive guru. And I know his attention to detail is really what is the focal point of why he calls plays. But I just think it's a lot to put on a head coach to, to be the offensive play caller, want more ownership in the defense, manage who starts, manage substitute, things like that. It's just a lot. So I think, you know, he needs a little bit of a step away. Uh, even, you know, Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reed, I mean, Andy Reed, you know, he's given him a step away. He's come back. He play calls. He doesn't play call. 
I don't see why you can't do it like game to game and how you feel about your workload. But uh, that's all we got for you guys. So until next time, I'm Jake Ellenbogen and he is Cameron Lynch. And uh, we'll get you guys ready for the Arizona Cardinals. But uh, that's going to do it for us. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, review, rate. I can't believe I knew all that off the top of my head. I'm not reading it off. Uh, But that's going to do it. So this is episode 133. Appreciate you guys. And you guys have a great week. Later, folks. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.